I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival. So, Paul, why should people go to Vancouver to drink wine? So, a, a whole series of reasons. Um, the most beautiful city in the world, maybe. One of the best wine festivals on the planet. Uh, great food. Featured wine region is France, but probably more than anything else, Rick, you won't be there. It's not a bad argument, actually. Well, I was going to say it's because one of the it is one of the best wine festivals on the planet, and because who doesn't want to go taste French wine from France? Vive la France, as yeah. we say. Yes, uh, yep. uh, goes on February twenty second to March first. Has fifty seven events, including tastings, luncheons, dinners. I. Will be one of the people doing is waiting for me to interrupt because he knows I'm going <laughs> to warn you people that Paul's going to be one of those people doing it. Yep, yep, yep. I will be doing a seminar up there. It'll yeah. be all sorts of fun, tasting wines from all over the world. Yeah, yeah. But at least when people go there, they only have one of us to avoid rather than two. Yeah, but Paul can get pretty loud on his own. In fact, without <laughs> me to keep an eye on him, it gets worse. Yeah, I'm sure. So, but don't worry if you do run into Paul or go to one of his seminars. The festival will still be great. Uh, and there's going to be outstanding wine from 15 countries. Winemakers and principals from all 163 wineries will be on the floor so you can meet and talk with yeah, them. Yeah, meet and talk with them. And, and 42 wineries from France. So great chance to taste everything from Champagne to Burgundy to Bordeaux to Provence. Um, uh, speak, lots of fun. Speaking of Provence, uh, a global spotlight on rosé. Provence is sort of ground zero for rosé. Yes, you know, Absolutely. I love Rosé. And, and plus, it's a, Vancouver is just so lovely. The mountains across the, the harbor there are covered in snow. Restaurants are ready with spectacular food. It's a great food city. Uh, yeah, the restaurants are. The service there is so nice. They are Canadian, after all. They gave me my own chair at most places. Well, I'm proud of you, Rick. You barely spilled anything at all. I know. I was proud, too. So And the festival people, they're nice as well. And they make it really easy for you to eat, drink, get tickets, book hotels. And the best way to book is through Stay Vancouver Hotels. Easy to remember, Stay Vancouver Hotels. They have an outstanding offer. You book a downtown hotel, and there are 39 of them um, through Stay and, Vancouver. And some of those would still be willing to rent a room to rent. I've, I've contacted them, and they said, well, if you're not coming up this year, then we would be willing. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you do book through them, you get one of those uh, huge, I get a free international uh, festival tasting, and those are one of the keynotes of each each night, and they, yeah. they're worth like 115 bucks. So yep. it's yep, yep. Yep, book now. With 163 wineries, that's less than a dollar per winery to taste all those wines. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, the easy way to find it is just Google Stay Vancouver. Yeah. And you know why else they're nice, Paul? Because the proceeds benefit Vancouver's Bard on the Beach Shakespeare Festival, uh, which is a great reason to go back to Vancouver in the summer. That's true. I was going to say, because they're letting you lead their first ever post-festival Bordeaux wine river cruise. Ah, uh, yes, it's true. And it's April 9th to 16th, and Paul will be there, but you can't avoid him. I heard it's a big boat. Uh, and not that big, actually. It's uh, only about 135 passengers, so well, not that big a boat. Well, there will be wine. But there will be lots of fun, lots of wine, and best of all, no Rick on that one. Yeah. So yeah, rub lots it in. Of, should be a great time. Yeah. All right, let's recap. 163 wineries, <laughs> 15 countries, including New Zealand, Spain, Italy, Argentina, and more. France is featured. You can taste some outstanding Canadian wines, and they really are for Canadians' own Okanagan Valley. Yep. 
Yep. It's, uh, when yep. I was the first time I was up there, I was really surprised. It's just the depth of quality. Yep. Yeah. And and Nova Scotia, other places in Canada make good wine. Yeah. Yep. All right. Fifty-seven so, events, world-class food, world-class city outside your door. It's a party. It's a party. All public tickets go on sale January eighth. Not so far off. If you tr- if you're trade, they're available now. But go to the website for details. And that's Vancouver International Wine Festival, February twenty-second to March one. Details of schedules and programs and all that stuff is at vanwinefest.ca. .ca because they are Canadian. Or just go to Google and find it. You'll be very happy you did. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, I think I want to rant a little bit today. Well, that's uh, hardly anything new, Rick. You always want to rant. Yeah, well, I want to rant about the way people who sell wine uh, tend to ignore their customers and, and when, what their customers really want. They you know, just want, okay, you know, yeah. want to rant. I mean, I agree with you, but I'm not sure that you haven't said that a bunch of times before. Well, we got a question from a listener about it. And okay. she asked why no one wants to sell her and all of her friends a buttery Chardonnay. Because they're idiots. Precisely. And we're going to pile on to that in just a second. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> also today, we have questions from the Netherlands about decanting wine in a blender. A blender. Honestly, it's a thing. Yes. Other listeners ask if wine is gluten-free and what is, what is it about wine country that makes it so good for wine, which is actually a great question. Yep. Plus, our whole wine uh, has notes of clay, stratus, and marine fossils. Ew, gross. Uh, as usual, we're going to be making fun of wine stuff. And by the way, uh, we are still yet, once again, recording here in the beautiful studios, Capital Public Radio, and on their podcast lab. Recommended podcast right next to Terry Gross and all of those big names. It, it, Terry, Terry, I, Terry writes the station regularly to try to get rid of us. <laughs> get but, these guys out of there. I know. It's, it's, so far, they're not listening. And thank God for that. We are also on Napa Broadcasting. It's the network out of the August Napa Valley College. And that's right. The Institution of Higher Learning. Yeah, and they, you think they would know better. Yeah. And don't forget, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you can go and ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com. Um, and we are now on Stitcher and Spotify, along with Apple Podcasts. So pick a podcast platform, and there we are. Our our media empire is, is exploding. Wor- world domination, Paul. And don't <laughs> miss the chance to join Paul and some lovely Canadians at the Vancouver International Wine Festival, one of the best in the world. It runs February 22nd to March 1. Information is at vanwinefest.ca, or just Google it. Uh, you'll find it for sure. Okay, yep. so let's start with a question, get us rolling here, about that I was just referring to, which is, it's actually a few questions, and we got them from Christine in San Ramon, okay. uh, which is the East Bay. Yep. Uh, she says, my local store name removed so we don't get sued has a lot of handwritten notes for their wants. But before you say good for them, I want to say they're useless. <laughs> God says, bless you, Christine. This is still Christine talking or writing here. Yep. They all sound like PR hoo-ha, and some give my friends give some weird food pairing. Right. So, S- pro- smoked duck prosciutto. Yes. With, yes. Yes. That's yes, exactly Because that's right. what we're eating every night for dinner. Um, so I'm looking for a buttery Chardonnay. This is still, once again, Christine. I'm looking for a buttery Chardonnay like all my friends, and there is never, ever a hint about whether it's buttery. So I have a couple questions. <laughs> I bet you do. Christine. These are good questions, too. 
So are there any clues in the kinds of stuff they write that might tell me if it's buttery? That's question one. Okay. Why won't they say if it's buttery? <laughs> why do they all sound the same? Where the heck do they get them? And why do I keep talking to wine people in restaurants who tell me no one likes buttery Chardonnay anymore? So I think Christine should have her own podcast. This is great stuff. It is, it is, it is totally <laughs> so, right. so should we start at the top? Yes. Yes, so, I think we should. Uh, any clues in the kinds of stuff they write? Well, sort of. Yes. Um, if people talk about oak, they may also mean that the yep. wine is the richer and more buttery style than you like. Uh, rich is another word that sometimes people use instead of buttery. Yeah. The, the problem is that in the world of wine snobs, buttery has become a word you cannot say out loud. Yeah, is the, the, the description that shall not be named, right? It's, that's right. Yeah. And so as a result... You have to look for those secret, hidden meaning words like rich and and luscious or creamy. Sometimes creamy, you get creamy. maybe sometimes vanilla. Even though vanilla, that may, may more oaky, refer to the oak, but toasty. Yeah, maybe yeah. all of those might help you get there. All of those are just other ways of eventually getting around to the fact that it's a big, rich, and yes, buttery Chardonnay. Yeah. So yeah. that's how those are the clues. Now, why won't they say it's buttery? Well, as Paul said earlier, because they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and also because buttery is a term that amongst real wine geeks, they've decided that's not a wine, a cool wine to like. So they're afraid to put buttery on on any descriptor for fear all the wine geeks will run the other direction. And, and what's the other one, Paul? The other word that they don't like to use. Oh, I don't tell me. Smooth. Smooth. Well, that's true. So that's the true. two words, two of the words that might sell more wine than any two words in the wine business are the they two words they on, won't put on. They the wine. won't say. Yeah. 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 And the the next question I love is why do they all sound the same? And of course, this is the problem. I have to raise my hand because I was involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> the the real challenge is there are 150,000 wines in the U.S. market, and writing descriptions of each one of those 150,000 wines so that you can tell it from all the other 150,000 wines, almost impossible. So people in the business just tend to write a nice, plain, middle-of-the-road description that says, it, it, fresh, it, you're fresh, selling the wine. Yeah. aromatic right. nose, nice fruit. Um, God knows you can't say it's buttery, so you might say it's rich, and it goes well with chicken. Yeah, but it's worse, worse for are. Christine is that they're all, you know, if it's Chardonnay, they all have notes of apple and pear, you know, maybe in a right. touch of citrus. You know, as somebody who worked in the industry for a while, and one of the things I did was, you know, put together tasting notes, is you're always trying to make them make a sale. And so you sort of rounded the edges on everything, and they, yep. but they also sound the same over and over. And, yep. and, it is difficult to do that, but what would be helpful, and there are is some sort of scale that gives you some sense: is it big and buttery? Is it lean right. and and more citrusy? Right. You know, and if, of course, the problem is they can't say it's big and buttery because some people don't want that, and then they can't say it's lean and citrusy because some people don't like that. So they try to make everything sound like it's the middle of the road trick instead them into of a saying, buying a wine they won't like. That's right. That's a very that's useful right. way to sell a product. <laughs> And then the last question is yeah. the best of all, which is why do I keep talking to wine people in restaurants who tell me that no one likes buttery Chardonnay anymore? Well, all I can say is I will point to some of the best-selling wines in the American market, and guess what? They're some of them Chardonnay. are buttery Chardonnays. Yeah, the restaurant people where you're going to dinner, 
Christine, they don't know what they're talking about. And they talk to each other. And it's this thing, you know, it's the it's the cool kids thing. You know, it's that. Now, yeah, Rick, how would you know about the cool I've kids heard, thing? I've heard rumors. <laughs> thing. People tell people, tell people, sometimes let, in, let me in on it. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm told, anyway. Yes. But it's, you know, that you want to, they, it, partly it's that when you they taste lots and lots of wine, they're looking for something different. So that's a fair thing. But part of it is, is that they just, it's. You know, it's like reinforced over and over that it's, it's an uncool thing to like or recommend. So yes. nobody wants to like or recommend. And the sad thing is a lot of people like it. Right. And, you know, and they should and be able to buy it without getting hassled. They're not doing their job, which is to serve their customers. That's right. All right. Okay. Uh, so, now, we, we, uh, we're, Christine, we're 100% in your corner. Yeah. Go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. You're right. All right. You tell uh, them Rick and Paul said so, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's a funny thing because I talked about this on Kappa Pub Great a few months ago on my little wine spot that I do for them. Now and, yep. now. and um, I got a ton of email, a ton of email from listeners that which said— what, like three? No, it was actually more like a dozen, <laughs> which is—I never get emails. So, yeah, no, that's but, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was that, you know, that— Thank goodness somebody said Barry Chardonnays are okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, and so you're out there, Christine, yeah. with uh, with most of the world, and and the wine industry is letting you down. Yep. But you know what, Paul? We don't let people down. No, we don't. We just keep tackling these tough questions. Yeah, that's right. In fact, it's time to go to our official question list, and we're not going to let anyone down here. <laughs> and if you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com or on to Go find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Great place to ask us a question. That's at Rick and Paul Wine. And don't forget, look for us for an, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. All yes. right. So, so this first one comes from Jody in Biddingwiesen, Netherlands. Wow. Yeah. We are a global empire. We are. She says, what's your opinion of hyper-decanting? And she sent this along with a picture of what it is, which is yeah. decanting wine in a blender. Yeah, it's aerating the heck out of it yep. in a blender. Yeah, yep. or, or beating the crap out of it would be another way to call it. Yeah. But, so, so it's, a, it's you know, it, there, it was a thing. It really, there was a while back there where it was like a really big thing because it was just different and funny. It was different it, and funny. It was and like, if you want, yeah. It was opening, the same thing as opening the bottle by banging it with your shoe and then against the wall. And the cork, the cork Rick, would you still do that. Out. I saw you do that Thursday no, night. I, I bang the bottle when it's out, when I'm out of wine, and I'm just, I hit it with my shoe. I think maybe you can talk um, it If you wanted to, can't, you know, I mean, it, it actually works. Yeah. Putting it in a blender works, but it's kind to of a point. I mean, kind I mean, of brutal. Yeah. The sol- the easy solution is pour it into a decanter. If you want to give it more air, shake the decanter a little. If you want to give it more air, pour it back into the bottle, pour it back into the decanter. Wine if if a wine really needs as much air as it gets in a blender, uh, maybe you should just buy a different kind of wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's if it's a sort of a, 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 especially if it's an older wine, do not do this because it'll yeah, just yeah, yeah. it'll just you know beat the wine up and all the flavors will be gone. Right. If it's a younger wine, you know, if you want to have to wash your decant your blender a little better this time around, <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It is a funny thing to watch. I will say that. Yes, it is. And but if anybody is doing this, I, I just want to suggest that you take the wine out of the bottle first. A <laughs> good idea. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this next one comes from Charles in South Lake Tahoe. Is wine gluten-free? And are some yes and some no? And if so, why? I don't want to sound—this is Charles. I don't want to sound too precious. I have celiac disease. Well, he's wise to be careful. But, um, in fact, wine is gluten-free. There is no gluten in wine. Yeah, there are—you know, for vegans, there can be uh, uh, issues because they can filter it, find it, filter it, find it. 
uh, with um, fine not filtrate with egg whites. Um, yes, yeah, although those are removed before yeah, the wine it, is depending how, released. Depending how, so, how yeah. serious you are, but the, no, um, yeah. they are not. Uh, it, it's basically uh, like wine coolers. However, because you, you, have you have to be, be a little careful because some if, of those could it, be grain based. If it is wine, no gluten. But if it is wine flavored or flavored wine, then it can have other stuff in it, and we can we will not be held responsible for what's in those beverages. No. Because we don't know. Actually, most of the people who make them aren't held responsible. <laughs> they probably ought to be. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's it for questions for now. We'll have more in just a bit. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Up next, some really horrible wine writing. Dancing away, dancing away. I love the music, hate the writing. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right, Paul, what do you got? Well, let's start with this one. The wine boasts high altitude vineyards between 600 and 1,325 feet. Well, that's good. Good to above know that's 25, yeah. On soils derived from sedimentary marine fossils mingled with clay stratus. Was it, that at a party? <laughs> mingle, mingle, mingle. Yeah. It delivers with a classic creme de cassis note intermixed with smoke, graphite, spring flowers, strawberry, cherry, blackberry, violets, and rich berry flavors. <laughs> so, all right, there's so much wrong with that. The, first of all, you got three berries. You got strawberry, blackberry, and rich berries. Yes. But, uh, Rick, what does graphite smell like? Um, it's... Uh, you know, I, I it's actually, like that wine. It's I like whatever that wine things, smells like. I actually draw things in charcoal, which is graphite. It has no smell. Well, maybe saying that there's a part that does, there's no smell. There's I, no smell. I'm close. Well, I like the wine no boasts smell. high altitude vineyards. That, even, that isn't even grammatically correct. Yes. I, I, right. I want to say and, this, by the way. And, you'll, and you'll, 660 to 1325 feet, because that's important. Yes. Could, you know. Yes. Uh, the, um, it, for, for, all the writing you see, it's travel writing and restaurant writing and place writing. And, the, and rather than saying has, right. they say it boasts. The hotel <laughs> boasts high ceilings. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's like the dumbest thing ever. Well, no and, human beings ever said boasts in an actual conversation. Like wouldn't, yeah. You wouldn't actually say that word. Well, and then the other one is soils derived from sedimentary marine fossils mingled with clay stratus. So were the fossils not dead when they were mingling with the clay stratus? Well, so they, they were mingled, but the soils are derived don't. from yes. that. So they're kind of derivative soils. Yes, it's yeah. There's just and then, uh, yeah, right. Anyway, uh, moving on because this just beat your head. Again. <laughs> yeah. All right, go pick another so one. Right? This is this is here's mine. This is big and powerful without being ripe and forceful. So much apples, so much apples. Read that again. Yes. That was good. I know, I know. This is like gibberish. <laughs> this is big and powerful without being ripe and forceful. Okay. It's like, here's some adjectives. <laughs> I'm going to put them in a blender. <laughs> and that's right. And decanthum. Hyper decanthum. Yes. So much apple stone, hints of toffee, period. <laughs> Aromatic, period. Full bodied, <laughs> lithe and layered. Framed with phenolic tension. <laughs> Muscular, elusive, and agile, period. Subtle. <laughs> period. So somebody forgot how to write sentences. <laughs> or, That's or what, funny. Or some, what mer- words mean, actually. Yeah. I forgot what Because... Yeah. You know, I love muscular, elusive, and agile. <laughs> yeah. 
I know it. I have no idea what this could possibly be. I also like framed with phenolic tension. <laughs> yeah. I was framed. I was <laughs> yes. framed. Yes. And that... if I get Mr. Phenolic Tension back. <laughs> yes. All right. So that one's oh, just. That was just as, oh, that was our gibberish for Those today. Those are pretty bad ones. Well, speaking of gibberish, we're going to answer a few more questions. Not the questions, but our answers will be gibberish. And if you'd like to ask us one, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter are good places at Rick and Paul Wayne or our website, rickandpaulwayne.com. This is from Heather in Napa. Uh, I just moved here a few months ago, and I love it. Yeah. That's your ne- neighborhood, Paul. used to be my work zone. I do kind of miss it, by the way. All right. I'm sorry, Heather. I've interrupted your question. Yeah, let me start let, over. Let Heather speak. I'm sorry, Heather. <laughs> I just moved here a few months ago, and I love it. I keep hearing that it's one of the best places ever to make wine. What makes a place good for wine or not good? Great question. Um, and, of course, there are entire books written about this. So let me— Wait let... a minute. Wait a minute. I think it is uh, sedimentary marine fossils mingled with clay stratus. Is that one of them? No. That's, in fact, not one of them, oh, right? Oh, darn. Um, but let's really simply— um, in general, lots of sunshine is good, but you need a high differential between night and day in terms of temperature. So it helps to have warm days, cool nights. If it stays warm at night, it's not as good. The wines taste a little flat and soft. Yeah, in, in simple terms, it's like the the wine regroups and the sugars go up and down. And so there, it keeps a sort of a, a nice backbone, a good structure that way. So big temperature swing between day and night. That's number one. Number two, lots of sunshine because the grapes need the sunshine to ripen the grapes. But and, not too, too hot. And then number three, in general, is relatively low humidity. If it's very humid, like in the tropics, of course, it doesn't get as cool in the tropics either, but very humid, you get more diseases. Yeah. Drier is better because fewer diseases live on the grapes in a drier climate. Yeah, and a place like Napa does get fog and it gets it gets moist, but it dries up during the day. Yep. You know, and what makes Napa, I'm not, you know, you only have to drive around Napa to see what an unusual place it is. And the geography is spectacular. There's hills and knolls. And, and so you get all these different exposures. And it is a combination. It was formed by both volcanoes and the plates sliding around on the coast. And so there's, and, there are and, all and these... sedimentary marine Yes, so there's all, they're mingling with the mingling clay stratus. The so a lot of mingling going on there. <laughs> and so there's, I mean, there's... So the opportunities to make the kind of wines that you want using the soils you kind of want with the exposures you kind of want. And the exposures matter because it matters how much sunshine you get and how much cooling breezes you get. Um, and and all I'm those things add, add up. I'm going to add one other factor, which is... In those areas where great wine is being made on a consistent basis, you need the, t- the weather we talked about. You need the, the, um, the, the conditions that will allow the grapes to get ripe, the warmth of the sun and all the rest. You also need people who really want to make great wine. Right, right. And, I was going to say the culture, and that's a part of it. Absolutely yeah. part of it. Yeah, And there's a lot of reasons for it, and, and one of the reasons is making great wine is not cheap, and so you have to be right. committed to that. And yep. so, some regions, you know, whether it's the growers or the winemakers, they make – perfectly good stuff but they don't want you know it's a risk to to make expensive wine and it costs yep. a lot to do it so there's all of those things and napa is a combination of all that including having the momentum over years at least by american traditions of you know i always of think of napa as being like an olympic t- team they uh, compete with each other yeah but in the end they also want somebody from their team to win the gold medal so they share a lot of information they share a lot of uh, assistance between each other to make all the wines really good yeah i think that's very true um and and you know what wh- 
as a, somebody who did some consulting for smaller wine regions, you know, I used to I cited Napa often as a place to learn from because they, you know, when a region was new, so there's a lot of this sense that you you're on your own. But in the wine industry, you're not. I mean, you're not for lots of reasons, and one of them is is that your region is your brand. Mm-hmm. You know, and Absolutely. so you know, if you are from some other region, I'm not going to cite one that where they don't cooperate so much, but Death Valley, uh, um, Death Valley region. Yeah, very the, few the, good the wines coming out of Death Valley don't these days. Talk to the cactus, to it's the coyotes. Just, no, yes, no, 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 no. But you know, when everybody's good, you, you your brand improves, and yep. so it's yep. and it's always helpful, and you'll learn from each other and all those good things. So, yep. let's it's actually that was like kind of a real answer, Paul. Whew. There's one, one for us. Okay. Uh, well, this that? is one Six we got years. last year. Let's see if we can get another Six answer. Six years and yeah. we get one good answer. Yeah. All right. This is one from last year. It's appropriate for the season. So uh, I am with Sherry in Sacramento. She says, I really like wine and I am learning about it. I remember this. I do like this question. Um, I, I really like wine. I'm learning about it. I hope my question doesn't sound selfish. Most of the holiday parties I go to are with friends who don't know much about wine and the wine is pretty average. No biggie. But now and then, there's something good, and my friends don't notice. They just drink what's in front of them. They pour pour like they're drinking in a big gulp. So <laughs> is it a horrible thing to hide it, that good wine, in the back of the lineup, so they won't gulp it in there, and it'll be more for me? Sherry, I will just tell you right off the bat, I have done this more go, times Sherry, than go. I can count. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Absolutely go for it. And yeah. there's only one danger in this scenario, Sherry, which is as people begin to know you, And as they begin to know that you are a little more into wine than the rest of them, people will start coming up to you and And asking asking you, so what are you drinking? And then it gets more complicated because simply simply hiding the bottle in the back of the row of bottles, absolutely everyone's done that. uh, We all do that. That's absolutely part of the show. But when they ask you what you're drinking— do you tell them or yeah. do you say, oh, do you see this wine right up here in front? Hmm. I see it. You play it by ear and you think whether they're going to appreciate it or not. Yeah, if they but are the, going to appreciate it, then I think you are morally obligated to let them know. Actually, you know what I do is when people ask me that question and as she says they're pouring like they're drinking from a big gulp, I yeah. go ahead and I pull the bottle out and I say, here's what I'm drinking. Would you like some? And I pour them a taste. I don't fill their glass up to the rim. I pour them a couple of ounces and let them see if they like it. And at least in that way, I make sure that more than one or two people get to drink the wine. See, when I get asked that question, what I do is I, I point and I say, see that woman over there? Ask her. It's, it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I let her be the one. All right, Sherry, that's a great question. And I say, when if, if nobody cares, go for it. Go for it. All right. Well, that's almost an answer. So that is one and a half for a four. They're not bad for us. And that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is the patient Anthony Van Hook. Thank you, Anthony. Our associate producer is Jeremy Merrim. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup. Recommended podcast. And don't forget, ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com or Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter. You can... Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. Part of the Rick and Paul media empire. We are taking over. And remind a reminder, you can catch Paul and taste some extraordinary wines at the Vancouver International Wine Festival on February 22nd to March 1. Information is at vanwinefest.ca. That's yep. vanwinefest. Just go to Google. You'll find it. And all public tickets go on sale January 8th. And Trade Pass is available now. So if you trade, go online, get more information. Yep. 
And if you book a downtown hotel through Stay Vancouver Hotels, which is a good place to go, uh, you'll get free ticket to one of the four international huge festivals. Four which is huge international. Festivals. 165 different wineries yep. pouring wines yep, at yep, it. Yep. yep. Um, and, and you can also go to Van Wine Fest to sign up for the post festival Bordeaux River Cruise with Paul as your host. Yes. That cruise is April 9th to 16th. Saint Emilion, Pomerol, Poyac, Margot, Saint Julien. Man, those are some good wines. Is that, yeah, fine, and fine. I'm sorry to say, Rick won't be joining us. And now who will eat dinner with you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hey, you, at least once on that cruise, I get invited to eat with the captain. But there's always something that comes up. Captain? Yeah, yeah. he gets busy. Yeah, yeah he gets yeah. busy. He, yeah. yeah, thank I, you. For, I want to have you at the table, but he doesn't he actually... He asks me to text him. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Say, believe it. urgent, we need you on the bridge. On the bridge. Oh, okay. Well, if you've learned anything today, we hope it's if you like buttery Chardonnay, drink buttery Chardonnay, and make the sommelier or the wine person find you on the ice. Here, here. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. 